give you the glory today in Jesus mighty name amen now keep that going because to the stage now is coming this mighty man of God all the way from Jamaica right here in Warren we love him the Reverend Dr. Huntley Brown come on put your hands together give him praise thank you Jesus for this man God is good and all the time you may be seated Let's continue worship how great the art. voices. voices.
sing. Then sing. God thanks and we give him praise because he's good he's great he's powerful he's wonderful he's mighty that's why I rejoice this morning by saying for every mountain you brought me over for every trial 
you see me through and you through for every blessing Hallelujah. For this I, we give you praise. For every mountain. Thank you so much. What a mighty, awesome, amazing, powerful, incredible, heavenly Father we serve, we praise, and we glorify his matchless name. First, I must say it's an honor to be here once more. I do not have to tell you how powerful a man of God you have leading the fellowship. Pastor Becker... I give God thanks for you. You know, um, a couple weeks ago, I had to go to Jamaica to visit my mom, who is not doing well. Keep her in your prayers. And I discovered a problem. I was trying to renew my passport for quite a few months. And it was not coming back. By the way, if you need to renew your passport, do it now. Trust me. Trust me. There is a major, major backlog. So... I had my airline ticket all booked. What was I going to do? But I have a friend named Pastor Jamin Becker. And he called me. And he made a declaration. I'm being honest now. He made a declaration. You are going to have the passport on Friday. And when Pastor Becker speaks, I listen. So I was looking on Friday, and guess what happened? Friday showed up. There it was. <laughs> to God be the glory. 
I was able to get to my trip. And I must also say one thing, Pastor Becker, you have truly had an impact on my family. And my daughter, Nadia, who's part of the worship team. Yes, you can, yeah, I give God thanks for you. And Sister Olga, thank you so much. And let me also say this to my friends around the world. You know, when you have a pastor, the students are driving from Bourbonnais to come to church. Sister Olga, you guys are doing something right here. Pastor, God bless you. God bless you. I give you God thanks for you. Now, before I get into the word this morning, my wife is here. Honey, can you just stand so they can see my honey baby darling, sweetheart wife? From Thank you so much. Sitting beside my wife are our dear friends Connie and Larry Blaney. Just wave your hands. Now, Pastor Becca, this last dear friend of ours, Susan Sterrett, let me tell you about Susan quickly. She is one of the foremost violin instructors in the country. And by the way, for the musicians, I'll give you a secret. She has a violin. Susan, what year is your violin again? 1697. You can talk to her about some history afterwards, but all the major orchestra players um, who play violin have been through her. So thank you so much for coming out this morning. We give God thanks for you. Shall we pray? Father, we give you thanks and praise for who you are. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. Thank you for this church and for the way you are using this church to have an impact for your kingdom. Speak, God, through these lips of clay. Allow me to proclaim your words in such a way that lives will be transformed for your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, a few weeks ago, pop singing superstar Tina Turner died. And I'm sure you all know this, you know, you all know a couple of her songs, right? You know, big wheels keep on. Don't let me sing by myself now. You better help a brother out. Proud Mary keep on burning. Okay, you guys, well, you are not supposed to know this song. You are supposed to be in church. But, you know, there are many lessons I discovered we can learn from Tina. And, you know, many times people say, well, if you're going to preach, preach about someone in the Bible who is wonderful. But no, friends, in Scripture, you have stories listed of the good, the bad, the ugly. It is all there. So this morning, my sermon is titled, Lessons from the Life of Tina Turner. Say, all right. Now, first I must say, Tina was married to Ike Turner who was an abusive husband. And let me just pause here quickly, friends. Abuse is a scourge on society that needs to be stamped out right away. There is no place for abuse. And with me and my wife having four daughters, I'm fiercely protective of my kids. Now, a couple of years ago, I got wind that a couple, I would say a friend, was abusing his wife. So I contacted the family to alert the extended family what was going on. We did not hear for a while from the family. And my wife and myself, we were puzzled by this. Finally, a relative called us and said, you know, uh, Reverend Brown, thanks for your call, but let me explain to you what we're dealing with. Yes, we know our relative is being abused. We have taken her out of the situation multiple times. And she keeps going right back into the situation. So there's not much we can do but pray. And sometimes, friends, that is all you can do. 
Now, for the same couple, you know, one evening I got called. They had a major disagreement, and they asked me to come to help them to navigate the disagreement. I got there, and the abuser was in rare form. Rare form. He was angry, using all kind of foul language. And halfway through, he did not hear me say the things he wanted me to say to reprimand his wife. I'm like, what? And, you know, he went like this. I'm going to fight you. He got up to fight the reverend. I am a nice guy. I wouldn't hurt a fly. What do you think I did? You think I just said, okay, I'm so sorry. Friends, I am saved, but not that saved. I'm just being... So I said, I, got, I said, come on, let's go. Let's go right now. And all of a sudden, his brain kicked in. And guess what he remembered? I got a black belt in the martial arts. You know, <laughs> so you know, I, I brought 30 seconds here. Let me give you 30 seconds. Run that quick next video. Let me show no, no, next video. 30 seconds. Here you go. Well, that's a taste. Now, in church, you have something called the right hand of fellowship. I was about to deal with the right hand of fellowship. <laughs> but he backed away and he said, okay. I, he remembered, praise God. Okay. Now, why am I saying all this? Abuse needs to be stamped out right away. We should never tolerate abuse. In the case of Tina Turner, she took abuse for a long time and then decided she had enough. And she left the marriage, and she filed for divorce. Now, after Tina filed for divorce, this is where things got very interesting. They went to court, and when they got to court, she used words to this effect. Um, Your Honor, I'm going to make it simple for everyone. I do not want anything except one thing. And the judge looked at her and said, what? What are you saying? He said, Your Honor, he can have all the stuff. I just want my name. Isn't that interesting? What did Tina know that all of us did not know? Why did she want her name? You see, friends, purpose is attached to your name. Your identity is in your name. And somehow Tina knew this. And in Scripture, we find God changing a few people's names. Genesis 17 verse 5 says, No longer will your name be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Genesis 17, 15 to 16 says, God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she'll be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Genesis 32, 27 to 28 says this. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. 
because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Names are critically important. A couple of years ago, I did a TV program with um, Pastor David Youngichow. You might have a picture of Pastor Youngichow or myself. His original name was not David. He changed his name to David. Why? Because he believed God had a purpose for his life. And if you Google, he's now in heaven, by the way. If you Google Pastor David Youngichow, he had one of the largest churches in the world, close to one million members. And Pastor Becker, I'm telling you, Pastor, you keep up what you're doing here. I can see this church exploding in Aurora. You just stick with your pastor right here, friends. I believe that. God has great things in store for Tina. So Tina kept her name. Now, Tina's original name was Anna May Bullock. But she discovered the hard work she put in for this new name, Tina Turner, was very important. So the judge said, your request is granted. So Tina kept her new name. She started afresh. New team, new management. And the new management said to her, Tina, we want to record a song. Tina heard the song. She said, nope, I am not going to record that song. But the manager insisted. Why? Because he had vision. Who are the people in your life today who have vision? I know your pastor has vision. Who are the people in your life that you listen to for counsel? You know, a couple of years ago, we had a meeting here. Um, all our daughters took part in sports. And at one meeting, the coach said to us, it's my responsibility as the coach to get the athlete to do something they do not want to do in order to achieve something they want to achieve. Let me say that once more. He's saying, it's my responsibility to get you to do something you do not want to do in order to achieve something you want to achieve. Yeah, let me give you an example, friends. I do not like to fast. Can I be honest, Pastor? I love my food. I love my steak well done. Not medium rare or that stuff you guys have. It has to look like me, okay? Okay, I want my steak looking like me. But I have discovered that there are times I need to fast. And for the last 20, almost 30 years, every first Wednesday of every month, my wife and myself, we fast and pray for our kids. Why do we do this? Because we discover that there are certain things that prayer alone cannot fix. You know, in Mark chapter 9, the disciples tried to cast a demon out of a boy and they could not do it. And they came to Jesus in private and said, Lord, why could not we do this? And Jesus said to them, this kind... This kind can only come forth by one way, prayer and fasting. So when Pastor Baker calls everyone to prayer and fasting, you join him. You put aside the milkshake, you put aside Starbucks coffee, and you go to prayer and fasting, right? Now, the coach got my daughter to run track, to do sprints. You know, when she's almost about passing out, sit up the whole nine yards. As a result, I want to show you what happened to my daughter when she was at Aurora Christian. Can you run the next video?
You know, you gotta forgive a father, right? Okay. One proud papa, she won't stay. Why? Because her coach had vision. And her coach basically said, I am going to help you to win state. And she won. No, it's the same thing, guys, for Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. No, Michael Jordan was winning scoring titles, but no NBA championship. And by the way, if there's anybody here who says LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, let me tell you something. You are in the right place because all sinners are welcome in this house. Okay, just, let's just get that clear right now. Okay, and by the way, we believe in deliverance. We will deliver you afterwards. So you, if you, don't even say that, okay. But Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, Michael was not winning on what happened. Phil Jackson, new coach, came with a vision. I said, Michael, Tex Winters, you can go to the next pitches, guys. I said, Tex Winters, the guy in the middle, he has a new system called the triangle offense. If we implemented this, you'll win championships. What was the result? Next picture. The result was six champ. You can clap for this. We're in Chicago land area. Yeah, we can clap for this. Six championships. Why? Because Micah listened to someone with vision. Friends, very important. My question to you this morning is, who do you listen to for advice? Whose advice do you trust to listen to even though you don't agree? You know, a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a friend. And I said, you know what? I am pleading with you. I am begging you. Please be objective. Here's why. I know I won't have all the answers. I'm human. I'm flawed. I can miss it. And I need to be able to trust your counsel. And right now, I just don't. And I was pleading with my friends to be objective so that when that time comes, I can lean on this friend in order to get his counsel. So my question is, who do you listen to this morning for counsel? Critically important in all our lives. In the case of Tina, she decided, even though she disagreed, she was going to listen to the counsel of her new manager. And so she recorded the song. Do you know this, which song this was? It says, what's love? What's love got to do with it, got to do? Come on now, help me. Come on, I'll help a brother out, okay? <laughs> yeah. But you know the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, as a result of recording this song, it won Song of the Year, Record of the Year. Go to the next picture. Um, best Female Pop Vocal Performance. In 2012, this song was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. You can clap for that. Why? Because someone had vision. Someone saw something that Tina did not see. Pastor Becker sees something at this church that most people don't see yet. But if you can lock onto the vision, trust me, you can be going places. So Tina went with this song, and I can understand why she did not want to record this song. She wanted nothing to do with love. She was hurt by love. But friends, in the song, she asked a very important question. And for the rest of this sermon, I want to spend some time focusing on her question. And her question is, what's love got to do with it? What 
an intriguing question. What's love got to do with it? You know, when I do marriage counseling and the couple comes into my office, there are three things I do. First, I'm going to pray. And after praying, the first question I ask the couple is, who are you? I ask the identity question. And here's why it's critically important. If you do not know who you are, something or someone is going to define you. You need to know who you are. I mentioned Michael Jordan earlier. I said Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. If I ask you, it's Michael Jordan. That's what you say. But Michael Jordan no longer plays professional basketball. So who is Michael Jordan today? Friends, this showcases the need of not processing your identity through your skin color, through gender, or what you do for a living. How low God to define you and go with his definition. So what's love got to do with it? Everything. The first question I ask, who are you? The second question I ask is, how do you define love? And Nadia, you're a preaching girl. My good. Give Nadia a hand. You're on the praise team. You're preaching good this morning. Because the question is, what's love got to do with it? Now, to answer this question, we need to go back to the author, the creator of love, to get a definition. Let's go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, the verses Nadia read earlier, verses 4 to 7. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, friends, if you're in my office and I was counseling you, the first question I ask is, okay, it says, love is patient. Are you patient? Turn to your spouse and ask the question, or your friend, are you patient? Now, here's the next question. Do you think your friend is patient? Because it's verses, love is patient. Here comes the next question. Love is kind. Are you kind? Do you think your spouse is kind? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Come on now. That means will you allow me to watch the game? When the basketball game? Or do I need to watch a chick flick with my wife? It is not self-seeking. Here's one. It is not easily angered. Do you get angry easily? Scripture is saying love does not get angry easily. Here's an important one. It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you keep a record of wrongs? I've seen couples say, I remember what you did 1979 at 8 o'clock. And I'm like, I don't even remember what I did this morning. I remember what you did. And the scripture is saying, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects. Do you feel protected, friends, in your relationship? You need to feel protected. And that's one thing I try to convey to my family, you know. I want you guys to feel safe at home. And I've made a statement many times, you know what? If somebody breaks into my home 3 o'clock in the morning, that means they have one wish. They want to meet Jesus. 
is simply my responsibility to arrange the meeting. Okay? <laughs> Don't come to my house at 3 o'clock in the morning, okay? Now, you see, friends, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We can sum it up by saying this. Love is a commitment. That's what love is. Love is a commitment. Let me explain something quickly, friends. When you're married, there are days you will not like your spouse. Sister Olga, I know you love Pastor Becker, but I'm sure there are days he drives you crazy. But you still love him, and you, Pastor Becker, don't talk to my wife about it. It's okay, because I'm a wonderful husband, right, honey? <laughs> no. No. Here is where love comes in. Love is saying, I am going to love you in spite of your faults. You leave your clothes on the floor. One more, oh, come on. I don't have to like it, but I'm going to love you. That is what love is. And why do we do this? Because we love God. John 14 verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. John 13 verse 34 to 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Friends, love does not mean approval of sin. There are people out here sinning and expect us to approve what they're doing. No, love does not mean approval of sin. Love does not mean I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. Love means truth-telling. The first scripture says, they will know we're Christians by love. You know, and the thing that Nadia said earlier, how God knows you love him. Not by what you say, by what you do. That's how God is going to know we love him. Now, I want you to do a test this morning. If you were on trial for loving God, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let me say it one more time. If you were on trial for loving God, would there be enough evidence to convict you? You know, Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? God is asking the question, why are you calling me Lord if you're not going to obey me? Obedience is critically important if we say we love God. So friends, I'm going to ask all of us this morning to do some self-evaluation. You see, friends, if you truly love God, you're going to forgive your spouse. If you truly love God, you're going to forgive your friend who wronged you. If you truly love God, it's not easy. And you're saying, God, I do not want to do this. I'm only doing it because I love you. You see, friends, love means sacrifice. Putting others first. Going the extra mile. What's love got to do with it? Everything. John 3 verse 16 says, For God, say it with me, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him and not perish but have eternal life. God so loved us, he did something for us. John 15 verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Romans 5 verse 8, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Now the verse is saying, God did not demonstrate his love for us when we're doing the right thing. We're, we're, we're being good. We're being wonderful. No, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. What love. No, friends, here is a very, 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 very difficult verse. But I tell you, love your enemies. What? What? Do what, Lord? And the scripture goes on, and pray for those who persecute you. What, Lord? Am I the only one who have enemies? I mean, come on, you guys are wonderful. You guys don't have anybody who don't like you. Is that just only me? Friends, the scripture is saying, love your enemies. What does that mean? And to pray for them? Okay, okay Lord, yeah, I'm, okay, I can pray for them. I am going to pray Psalm 109 verse 8. May his days be few, and may another take his place. Okay. No, that's not what God wants us to pray for enemies. So the question comes up, how do you love someone who hurt you? Tina's asking the question, what's love got to do with it? Everything. So we say, how do you love someone who hurt you? Here are a few keys, friends. One, live on the inside. What do I mean? When God looks at all of us, He's not looking at exactly everything we do, although he does. Everything you do on the outside is visibly yes. But God is looking inside. What are your acts, actions saying internally? You might do the right thing. Like Nadia mentioned earlier, I said, Nadia, you're, you're a preaching girl. She said, you're talking, talking, talking. I'm talking, talking, talking. And God is saying, how about your actions? How about inside? You might be saying you love the person. But internally, you despise a person. And God is saying, I will not accept that kind of worship from you. So friends, number one, start by being honest with God. Say, you know, Lord, you asked me to love the person who hurt me. God, I'm going to be honest. It's not easy. Lord, the only reason I'm praying this prayer is because I love you. And because I love you and you said for me to pray, to forgive, I'm going to do the best that I can with your help. You see, friends, that is why love is so important. So you're going to pray, you're going to say, Lord, help me. How to forgive those who are hurting me. Follow the example of Jesus. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus was being crucified. And look what he said. Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Wow. Can you do that this morning, friends? Maybe in business, somebody ripped off your business, and you're feeling horrible. You have that hurt inside. Maybe someone did something real horrific to you, and you're hurting. You're saying, God, I know, Lord, what you're saying, but God, I just can't. And God said, I know you can't. But let me come alongside you and help you. All you have to do is reach out to me. Trust me. Depend upon me. And let me help you to forgive those who hurt you. Friends, this is the verse, Luke 6.28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those 
who mistreat you. Friends, those are not very easy things to do. But that was what God is saying to all of us, if we love him. You know, many years ago, there's a lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. You might have heard her name. Corrie Ten Boom was from Holland, and she went to a concentration camp and in Germany. And quite a few members of her family died. Years later, Corrie Ten Boom ran into one of the guards at the concentration camp. I want you to hear Corey talk about this in her own words. You can run the video with Corey Ten Boom. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Boom, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel outseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian, I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God's grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. Can you forgive? No. But he can. Once Corey remembered this verse, Romans 5, verse 5, and a hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Once she remembered that verse, she said, Thank you, Father, that your love, your love is stronger than my hatred and forgiveness. At that moment, she was freed and able to forgive. That's the power of love. Finally, friends, Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 to 39. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, Jesus, with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it 
love your neighbor as yourself. What's love got to do with it? Everything. This morning, God is saying, you might be going through a tough time. You might be going through a difficult time. Whatever you are going through, God is saying, I want to come alongside you and help you so that you can truly love me and forgive those who have hurt you. What are you going through today? I have no idea what you're going through. But I want to do two things this morning. First, you might be here visiting and you're saying, Huntley, I have no idea what it means to even be a Christian. I'm just here visiting and you're talking about being a Christian. What does that really mean? I'm going to give an illustration I use all the time. When God looks at all of us, he sees us. This microphone represents our sins. God sees us plus our sins. We are all sinners. We have all done things we don't like. And God has been disapproved, displeased with. What did God do? This hand represents Jesus. Sinless. Spotless. And for us to get into heaven, all God is asking us to do is take our sins from off ourselves and make a transfer by doing this. So now when God looks at us, he does not see us perfect. He sees us clean. Why? Because we took all our sins from off ourselves and put them on Jesus. Can you bow your head this morning? If you're here and say, Huntley, I have all my sins on me. I know I've not been doing the right thing. And if I walk through these doors right now, I know I would not go to heaven. I don't want to make it right with God. I just want to have a prayer with you. Can you put your hands up? Is there anybody here who says, uh, yes. Anyone else here that says, yeah, I want you to pray with me this morning. Is there any, any more? Also this morning, friends, you, you might be here. You're saying, well, Huntley, I walk with the Lord a long time, but I've walked away. I'm in a backslidden position. Or you're saying, you know what? I'm just wrestling right now with my faith. I don't even know what I believe anymore. And I'm trying. Can you pray for me? If that's you, put your hand up. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Anymore? Yes, I see that hand. Anymore? If you're here struggling, wrestling, we want to pray for you this morning. For those who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, pray this prayer after me. The Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for all my sins. Please come into my heart and make me new. And from this moment, I promise to live for you. Give me the strength to live for you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer, welcome to the family of God. And friends, you know, it's not easy. I'll be honest with you. To forgive is not easy. To love is not easy. But if you decide you're going to go with God and you're going to hold on to God, He's going to help you to forgive those who hurt you. And that's what God wants to do for you this morning. God bless you.